Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in, everybody, to GC Live Afternoon Drive. It is Thursday, January 25th, 2024. And for another week, we are talking about South Carolina looking to fill the rest of their assistant coaching openings following the departure of Pete Lambeau after he was named head coach of Buffalo, officially introduced as the Bulls head coach on Tuesday. I'm sure many of you saw the press conference clip. And we'll replay it in a little bit of Pete thanking not just Shane Beamer, but the University of South Carolina for his time, as well as his wife's time, Jen, during their time here in Columbia and everything that Beamer in South Carolina was able to do and being able to help him land that gig. I mean, obviously, Pete Lembo has been around the coaching world a long, long time. Just finished up his 32nd season of coaching collegiate football. He has spent 15 of those years as a head coach. So, yes, Pete Lumbo obviously has a long, long, long resume when it comes to being a head coach, but at the same time, too, coming to a place like South Carolina and being able to do the things that he did in a three-year window, especially with what he was able to achieve in 2022, is able to help him get this opportunity. And it's an opportunity that brings him closer to home. He's a New York guy. His wife, Jen. His family in the New England area, his daughters living in the New England area, Massachusetts. So it was a good opportunity for Pete. Having said that, today on Quick Slants, we digged a little bit deeper into what was going on leading up to Pete Lembo's departure. And it's not like there's any like tea, but there were some other things going on behind the scenes as far as other schools within the last couple months reaching out to him. So we'll discuss that. In addition to that, a couple names to keep an eye on. As we inch closer and closer to South Carolina trying to do, which is going to be very difficult, trying to replace Lumbo, we'll have those names for you. I put a name or two out there today in quick slants. And then our colleague, Chris Clark, also added another name. So I'll share the two. If you want to see the third one, head on over to Gamecock Central. If you're not a subscriber, sign up for the first month for just $1. Can't beat that. $1 for the first month. Pretty good deal, if you ask me, especially as we head into what I call crossover season. Crossover season happens twice a year as we get ready from winter sports heading into spring sports, and you're also going to have spring football in the mix there as well. Recruiting is starting to pick up. Recruiting never dies, but it's really starting to pick up now. And Chris and Wes have been staying busy as far as that goes as we start to look ahead to the 2025 and 2026 class. And National Signing Day, that second one is coming up. We are less than two weeks away, but at the same time, too, 
when you look at what South Carolina was able to achieve back in December, as well as just really what the trends are with college football, there's not really a big name guy that they're trying to land with this second recruiting uh, or second signing day coming up. Like I said, in less than two weeks, having said all that, if there's anything else that you guys want to talk about today, fire away. Cause it feels like for the first time in a long time, Outside of some coaching changes on the staff, from a portal standpoint, seems pretty quiet. I did point out last night it is worth mentioning, especially we'll get into some of the departures of South Carolina with the offensive line. As we reported last Friday with Tyson on Wanamaker leaving the program. We'll get into that as well in case you may have heard some, you know, at least heard the headline or saw the headline, but you didn't really dig deeper into it. I'll explain that. As well, we'll also talk about the spring game. Shane Beamer announced last week. We hinted at it last Thursday. We also hinted at it on uh, GC Live Talking Tuesdays, the previous Tuesday show last week, that the spring game would be on April 20th. No time yet on that. So how could that impact that day? Because South Carolina baseball, they are playing Arkansas at 4 o'clock. As of right now, South Carolina hosting the Hogs at 4 o'clock at Founders Park. So plenty to get into. On this program, again, from a portal standpoint, not that much going on right now. But as I pointed out last night with Jim Harbaugh's departure from Michigan, a 30-day window for players on the team to enter the portal began last night. 30 days. They can go anywhere they want. South Carolina, from a scholarship standpoint, we've talked about this before. While they are over, and even though that number dropped down a little bit over the last couple days, because of some players deciding to leave the program, Wanamaker being one, Trey Jones right now retiring from football, that opened up two spots. So that puts South Carolina's projected scholarship limit for the 2024 season at 87, which is two over. Again, that is projected. That is taking into account players that aren't even here yet, like Matthew Fuller. As we've said many times before, and many of you already know this, you don't even need to hear me say this. When it comes to the scholarship limit, these things always tend to find a way to work itself out. And as we saw with the departure of two players already, it's slowly starting to do that. And we're not even at the end of January. Having said that, let's look at some questions. Then we will get into some thoughts on Pete Lembo. Keo says, I'm legitimately paying five grand to the first. Oh, there you go. You know, you try to share all these comments, and you see some hand bones trying to tell you that you're going to win some money. All right, Travis says, what's up, Mike? Happy Thursday, Gamecock Live family. Clint says, recruiting needs to pick up for us pretty soon. It's been picking up. You know, as far as hearing news, and I think that's the my question to you, Clint, is there anything specifically that you're looking to hear out of some of these recruiting visits? Right, We've seen some players take visits at South Carolina over the last week or so. We've seen the coaches start to hit the recruiting trails since the recruiting window opened up. Beamer has been very busy. We've seen him in Florida. We've seen him in multiple states over the last couple of days, as well as multiple coaches on this staff. But let us know if there's anything specific to that question. All right. Having said all that, a couple things I want to hit on that I mentioned today on Quick Slants with Pete Lumbo. 
Pete leaving doesn't surprise me. And I think for many of you, if you've been paying attention to his resume and when he got here, it was only a matter of time before he would be a head coach again. Now, you can say, all right, little surprise about the timing. I can get that. But at the same time, too, all his kids are out of the house now. Okay, All his kids are out of the house. He has ties to New York, as I mentioned. His wife, Jen, has ties to New England. But here's the other part of it. The last, I'd say, last year and a half, there's been multiple schools trying to reach out to him. But specifically this offseason, we can go back to December, there was another New York school that reached out to him that wanted him to be their head coach. And as I reported today on Gamecock Central, in that story on Quick Slants, that school was Stony Brook. Now, Stony Brook is an FCS school. They made a push for Blembo to be their head coach. And as I wrote, while he was flattered by the offer, it didn't go far. There was really no interest from Blembo's camp for that opening. But again, another school in New York. Now, obviously, we know Pete has a big love affair when it comes to Mac. It's going to give us all an extra reason to watch more Mac football next season. Maybe some of you don't care about Mac football. I always enjoy watching some football, especially once we get into October, November, and there's some football games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I don't care who's playing. We'll we'll throw it on, but especially if Buffalo's playing now. So I, I think the fact that, again, the ties, where it was, he likes the Mac, other schools started to really make a push for him. It was just only a matter of time. It was only a matter of time. And additionally, as I mentioned, 32 seasons of being a collegiate coach, 15 of those years being a head coach. He's been either a head coach or an associate head coach every season since 1998. Obviously, the last three years at South Carolina, he was an associate head coach with Shane Beamer. But it just goes to show this is a guy that a lot of people continue to have on their radar as being a coach. And I think some people, when they hear that, they're thinking big name. It doesn't always have to be SEC. It doesn't always have to be Power 5 football. And that's not to say Lumbo can't be a head coach at the Power 5 level someday. But being a head coach, running a program, being the CEO, as we've talked about many times before with Shane Beamer, Lumbo has all those tools. And he was a tremendous asset for Beamer. So when we're talking about replacing Lumbo, I mean, there's multiple layers to it. I think the first thing that you have to look at is what is Shane ultimately trying to do with this replacement, right? Is he trying to bring someone in here who can essentially be that extra set of ears to talk to, to be that associate head coach? One of the beauties of where South Carolina is right now, when you look at the makeup of their coaching staff, despite the departure of Lumbo within the last week, bringing in a guy like James Coley, Coley has a lot of experience on multiple levels. He is someone that I feel like regardless of who the Gamecocks bring in to replace Lumbo, whether it's someone that has a lot of experience, we'll start mentioning some of these names in a little bit, two names in particular, whether they have a lot of experience or whether they don't have as much. And certainly when I'm saying 
a lot of experience. I'm not comparing that up to Lembo. I think that's foolish to even try to do, regardless of who you bring in. I think nine times out of ten, you're not going to be able to measure as far as what you're looking for from a special team standpoint as a coordinator to what Lembo is able to bring, not just only as a coordinator, but his experience, like I said, as a head coach, 15 years of head coaching experience after this past season. He's coached on all three levels from a college standpoint, um, or I say three levels, doesn't include D2, but I'm talking FBS, FCS, Division Three. He has a lot of experience. He was able to bring a lot to the table. But when I look at what South Carolina is trying to do right now as they go through this process, one name that continues to be brought up to me, and I know my colleague Chris Clark put something out today on the Insiders Forum shortly after I put my story out mentioning this individual's name, and my colleague Wes Mitchell's also been tracking this name, is Joe DeCamillis. Now, for some of you who tuned in on Tuesday, that's a name that you heard me say. And that's a name, that's a name that has a lot of lot of success in the NFL. Now, D. Camillus, he's he's spent over 30 years coaching in the NFL as a special teams coach. He's won a pair of Super Bowls. Most recently, Super Bowl 56 with the Los Angeles Rams as their special teams coordinator in Super Bowl 50 with the Denver Broncos. Here's the interesting thing about D. Camillus. And again, Chris adds more to this. You can go check it out, see some of the things that he wrote on the Insiders Forum. But I'll share at least what I put out today. D. Camillus was a guest speaker this past March at Shane Beamer's Football Coaches Clinic. In addition, from talking with people in the program, he actually watched film with South Carolina players in the past. So there's some familiarity there already. I bring those things up because I think in the event that you were to bring a guy in like this, and I think some people are going to look at it like, wait, wait a minute, this guy's had a lot of success in college and in the pros. What does that mean from a college standpoint? Can he recruit? Can he do this? Can he do that? There's one more part to it. The two-time Super Bowl champ spent this past season at the University of Texas as a special assistant to the head coach. That head coach, of course, being Steve Sarkeesian. So I bring that up because – if you were able to bring a guy like this in, and this is a guy that South Carolina truly wants, when you look at what Beamer has done since being hired here, especially with some of the coaches he's added over the last couple of years, I'd say especially over the last two off seasons, three off seasons, you know, not including that first year, but you know, heading into year four now, right? Three off seasons. There's been a lot of a lot of connections with the NFL, right? You look at a guy like Sterling Lucas. I mean, we can keep going down the list. I mentioned, you know, James Coley. All right, Jody Wright came in here, NFL ties. We can keep going down the list. So I bring that up because there's the, there seems to be a pattern. And as I've mentioned before in the past, as a coach right now in college football, there's only so much that you can do when you're going out to recruit. There's only so much you can do. And while NIL has certainly changed the game, well, the transfer portal has certainly changed the game. And in a way, it's kind of tied a lot of these coaches' hands behind their back, being able to sell, 
being able to sell that vision, that dream, which, as we've talked about in this program and other GC Live shows in the past, as Marcus Lattimore and I have talked about in the past, Marcus says when those players come in, especially, especially the ones that are on scholarship, 99% of them truly believe heading into freshman year, their freshman year that they're going to be playing in the NFL when they come to the University of South Carolina. So I say that because if you're able to sell the development part of it, because as we've talked about before, there's always going to be outliers. There's always going to be outliers in college football, not just at South Carolina, outliers as far as players being able to make more money in the college ranks in comparison to the NFL, right? But at the same time, too, the majority of the players will be making more if they're able to play at the next level, if they're able to secure not just that first contract, but trying to get that second contract and see where it goes from there, right? Average lifespan of an NFL player is two and a half years. So I bring that up because if you're able to sell that and you're able to provide that with the backing with a lot of coaches who've had that experience of coaching at the next level in some coaches, in this case, they've also played at that next level. When you're able to do that, it makes selling the development part a little bit easier. Now, South Carolina is not the only school that has former NFL coaches on their coaching staff. Okay. Of course not. It's not like South Carolina is reinventing the wheel here, but when you look at the history of some of the hirings from Shane Beamer by Shane Beamer, you're starting to see a pattern. So it would make sense if D. Camillus is that guy to bring in here. In addition to that, another name I would mention, keeping an eye on, and we're going to continue to dig deeper on this, but it just makes sense. It's one of those things that makes sense to at least make the phone call, is Stanton Weber. Now, some of you may recall, Stanton was the special teams analyst for South Carolina the first two years when Lembo and Beamer got here. What he was able to do after those two years, he was able to turn that into, parlay that into a special teams coordinator position at Toledo. This past season, special teams coordinator helped them out tremendously. I want to throw some numbers out at you. These were what the, the, the rankings for Toledo's special teams efficiency were the previous three years before Weber got there. 106, 112, 116. In his first year, they moved up to 88. And from talking with people inside that building, and this is what I wrote today on Quick Slants, well, Limbo certainly deserves a lot of credit for what he did at South Carolina, especially for the 2022 season. Several Gamecock players have told me in the past just how much they respected Weber during his time at USC, saying, quote, Stanton is very smart. He's one of the reasons we were number one in the country in special teams efficiency that season, in my opinion. So I bring that up because, and this is from talking with multiple people, okay? Some players aren't even there anymore, some are. I bring that up because there's a level of respect already with Weber. He's a young guy. He's in his early 30s. Recently got married. Got married at Williams-Brice Stadium. I believe it was two years ago. So I bring that up because, yeah, he's a young guy. Doesn't have the history in comparison to a D. Camillus. Doesn't have, the obviously, the backing um, or the resume the same way that Lembo has. But at the same time, too, if there would be someone that could come in there, and it's big shoes to fill, whoever you bring in there. 
Weber already has a relationship with a lot of those players. Obviously, things change, right? You bring new faces in. Um, Lembo even talked about the challenges last year with trying to get more players, especially the younger guys, to buy into special teams. And I felt like early on in the season, we saw that. We saw the challenges with South, with, uh, South Carolina's special teams. And as we've mentioned many times before, because of the success that they were able to have in the previous two years, especially in 2022, we held them to a higher standard. We held them to a higher standard. So I bring that up to say that when you look at what Weber has been able to accomplish, it would be someone just to keep an eye on. I don't think it hurts to at least make the phone call. And whether Shane Beamer believes he's ready or not to take on that responsibility, again, that doesn't mean if you bring in a guy like Weber, and I'm using Weber as an example, if you bring in a guy like Weber, you bring in a younger guy, someone that doesn't have the same type of resume as Pete Lembo, or in this case, De Camillus, or whoever the case may be, someone that just has more experience, that doesn't mean that you don't have that outlet still. Because I feel like James Coley, regardless of who you bring in, can be can be that guy. So we'll see. I think it's also going to help out. Let us know what you guys think. Let us know what your thoughts are as we continue to truck along. And I'm going to see some of the comments that you guys are posting right now. Travis, talking from a recruiting standpoint, going back to some of the stuff. And, Clint, I see your comments, so we'll get back to you. Travis says, the first domino to fall in recruiting would probably be Montgomery, QB, who's deciding in February. Yes, class of 2025, and I'm going to put Montgomery up there. For those of you who aren't familiar about Ryan Montgomery from Finley, Ohio, One thing that we mentioned, and some of you may have seen last weekend when Ryan was here, was that Beamer paid a visit to the basketball court because of the connection those two have with Lamont Paris growing up in that area. So using all your resources to be able to help yourself out from a recruiting standpoint. So, as we see right now, let's get all the teams in here. Where the RPM put South Carolina, and as we know, the recruiting prediction machine, things are constantly changing, right? It's to give you a real-time feel as far as what's being said to not just South Carolina insiders like Chris and Wes, and I say those two because those two are the ones that are locked in the most when it comes to high school recruiting, but it's also what other insiders across college football are hearing, as well as our national insiders. And that's a combination of, again, talking with players, whether it be Montgomery directly, whether it be high school coaches, whether it be college coaches. So as we continue to navigate this new norm, and I say new norm because on three hasn't been around that long. The recruiting prediction machine, the algorithm, the way that it works, you're going to continue to see uh, a higher a higher percentage 
of these things likely happening more and more, right? So, but again, things can change. Things can always change. Um, but that's where things stand right now. I think bottom line is I think South Carolina still has a has a good shot. I mean, the problem is this. When you look at the schools that he's going up against, he's going up against some some big-name schools, right? And we've talked about this before in the past. At the end of the day, when you're a school like South Carolina, when you're trying to take that next step, and we've seen this happen in other with other positions. You think about Dylan Stewart. You get in big boy recruiting battles, and that's not a bad thing. Sometimes you'll win, sometimes you won't. As Beamer mentioned before in the past, and it goes back to last year's SEC media days, and I'm paraphrasing, but as he mentioned, he's like, what I've learned with college football when it comes to recruiting, you're going to lose out more times than you win. That's just the reality of it. Having said that, that's not me sitting up, Mike saying that they no shot with Ryan Montgomery. Uh, RPM say no shot in comparison, right? Ohio State, Michigan. Obviously, he's a local guy in the state of Ohio. And I don't want to sit here, and I know some people want to point to NIL and this and that. I'm not going to blame NIL stuff, especially when a recruiting process is going on. If there's things that we hear we can share about NIL, we will. Um, Do I feel like that number with Michigan drops a little bit now that Jim Harbaugh's out? Of the mix over there. Yeah. So I think things will be interesting. But from everything that I've been told, he really enjoys Dow Loggins. He saw what Spencer Rattler was, was able to achieve here. And I think that's the other part of it, too. Rattler went to a situation with South Carolina where, despite some of the issues offensively, whether it be the offensive line at times and not just the offensive line, because it was also, you know, the adjustment trying to figure out from a blocking standpoint, running back wise, the injuries at tight end. But from a protection standpoint, Spencer had to make a lot of things happen. He also made things look better at times than they probably really were simply because he was that talented. He was that smart. From talking with different people in the industry, I think a lot of players are starting to take notice to that. But they also look at Dow and they're saying, man, Spencer thinks really highly of this guy. And look what he was able to still do despite some of the blemishes they had on offense. So, and Dow has a tremendous reputation. He's been able to develop a really good reputation during his time at South Carolina as far as recruiting goes. Players are really buying into what he's trying to do. The challenging part right now is, again, you're going up against the big boys, but at the same time, too, and I know some people are high on Norris, and that's great. That's phenomenal. At the same time, too, at least right now, if you're a guy like Montgomery or you're a talented quarterback out there, you're looking at South Carolina's quarterback room right now saying, all right, there's a lot of inexperience there. And a lot of players, you know, they want to have an opportunity to compete right away, certainly at a, at a position like quarterback you're not going to always see that certainly there's outliers but what I'm trying to get at is it could be appealing for a player like Montgomery there's certain things that they can sell that other programs can't quite yet but we will see we will see all right going back to what Clint had to say and this may be talking so mentioned uh, mentioned Montgomery Clint mentions nothing really specific might was just speaking to the hope of getting a few commitments soon maybe Montgomery will be that guy We will have to wait and see. Travis, 
asks or says, Mike, kind of off the subject, but read an article that had some interesting points on Rattler in the draft. The article said Rattler was the only big-time quarterback in the draft who transferred to a worse situation, but is the only QB in the draft who is NFL-ready. What do you think of that assessment? I think it's pretty spot-on because when you look at some of those guys, right, you look at a guy like Jaden Daniels, you look at a guy like Bo Nix, you look at, I mean, we can keep going down the list here, Caleb Williams. You're looking at players who left one school, and I don't want to say, okay, you know, Caleb leaving Oklahoma. Oklahoma is still a very good school, right? But what I'm trying to get at, and I think we all can understand what the the point was of uh, what they were trying to get at, is you had Spencer, who goes to South Carolina, and he doesn't have the same weapons around him. He doesn't have the same type of um, talent. However, he was able to make the most out of his opportunities here. And quite frankly, he was able to elevate the play of other players. I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from Xavier Leggett, a guy who very likely could be a first-round draft pick this upcoming draft. But you look at what Xavier Leggett did during his first four seasons. Yeah, four, because he was able to still play and played for a fifth season. What he did through his first four seasons, from a production standpoint, I mean, he smashed. He smashed everything this year. Now, obviously, some of that had to do with the fact that Juice Wells went down. They needed number one receiver, and Leggett rose to the occasion. He played out of his friggin' mind. But the point being is, Rattler certainly helped elevate his game. Guy like Leggett helped elevate Rattler's game. And we could say this both ways, but you look at the year before, what Rattler was able to do with Juice Wells. You look at some of the things that Rattler was able to do, and we've been look back, and I've mentioned this before. You go back to that North Carolina game. You're heading into week one. Your starting left tackle gets hurt in the spring game. So everything you did in the spring on the offensive line goes out the window because now heading into fall camp, you have to start from scratch again. You have to figure out, okay, it's not about who's the best five because I think some people look at him like, all right, your left tackle's down. Who's your backup? Doesn't work that way when it comes to the offensive line. Doesn't work that way because you might have someone who is the second best left tackle on the team, but they don't work well together across the board as a unit. They don't have that same rapport. So you have that challenge, and then you lose your right tackle in that game. You get sacked nearly um, nearly double-digit times, right? And yet, and yet, he still gave you an opportunity to win that game. And then as we saw throughout the season, Certainly, there were issues with trying to figure out, okay, who that starting five is. On top of that, there were some other injuries with the offensive line. You were trying to figure out the running back position because you had some young, talented guys, including Mario Anderson, but he was coming in from a Division II school. He was still learning different elements that he needed to be able to do at this level that maybe you're able to get away with at times at the Division II ranks. So once that was able to come together, we saw what Rattler was able to do. And I think the other part of it, too, and I'm sure you would agree with this, Travis, and for those of you who may recall, we had Field Yates on earlier, earlier, I say this year, going back to last year in October, November, and he talked about where he thought Rattler would be. But one thing from a draft standpoint, but one thing he did mention is the fact that he's had an opportunity 
to work with an NFL offensive coordinator. And while there can be some people out there, they can say whatever they want about Dow Loggins in the NFL. Bottom line is this. I mean, you look at some of the quarterbacks, and I know they say this with all due respect. You look at some of the quarterbacks, you look at some of the teams more than anything that he had to work with. I mean, come on. So I say that because he has a strong understanding of how things work in the NFL. And he was able to teach. I mean, he talked about some of that stuff, Dow Loggins. He was able to help Rattler get acclimated to the challenges that he's going to face at the next level. There's a lot of things that they did at South Carolina this past season that had a lot of NFL concepts built in and how they did things, why they did things. But Loggins was also able to help him as far as understanding how to be more of a professional. And I thought that since the day Rattler arrived, I thought he carried himself extremely well. But I think there were certain things you heard even in the answers. Not that he was ever someone I felt like in the first year without Dow, he was someone that would ever throw people under the bus. I never, you know, never took that away from him when I listened to Rattler ever speak at the podium. But it was very, you know, someone grew up in New England, covered the Patriots. It was very like Brady-like with the answers, right? It was very NFL veteran quarterback-like uh, where he took a lot of accountability. And that's the stuff that you see in the NFL from quarterbacks, especially the good ones. So we'll wait and see. Bobby says, big game today, LSU, good team. Yeah, women's basketball tonight, trying to keep things rolling. Obviously a big win the other night for the men's team. It's a fun one. Nathan says, I wish Pete nothing but the best. Yeah, it's going to be weird seeing Pete not on the sidelines here at South Carolina. It's going to be weird not having his press conferences on Wednesday. I was on 107.5 the game earlier today with Terry Ford, and I mentioned that. I said, man, there's people that are going to be missing Pete for what he did from an X's and O's standpoint, but those press conferences on Wednesday, you just never knew what you were going to get from him. He was awesome. He was awesome. Travis writes, I'm happy for Lembo. This is more than likely his last run as a head coach. And and uh limited pressure situation. Okay. Last as a head last run as a head coach, and you feel like this is the pressure is not as high. I feel like the the ultimate goal for a lot of these coaches, they want to continue to climb the ladder, right? From talking to people, and I'm not saying this specifically about Pete, because of how NILs changed the game because of the way the transfer portals changed the game. The more I talk with coaches, even though they do want to continue to climb the ladder, and again, I don't know what if, if Pete has dreams of being a head coach in a Power 5 school. I don't know that. But some of them enjoy getting the hell out of Power 5 football simply because it's not as much of a freaking circus right now. Yeah, you go to a school like Buffalo, you go to a school in the FCS ranks or Group 5, is there always the possibility of you losing a player after a year or two to a bigger school? Absolutely. But at the same time, too, there's not going to be as much headaches to deal with as far as a NIL standpoint goes. So I always just mention that tidbit because to some, and we've saw this with even Marcus Lattimore, not exactly apples to apples, but as Marcus said on our show that we did together, the Belief Podcast, that there was a more a more pure sense of just being able to coach football at the division three ranks in comparison to coaching at South Carolina, a power five school, an SEC school, simply because of it being more of a business. And obviously this is a totally different layer to it all, but 
just something to keep in mind. Travis says, when's the last time we had an assistant leave us for a head coach job? It's been a good while, hasn't it? Well, I mean, this offseason alone, you know, within the last two weeks, right? I mean, Pete Lembo gets the head coaching job at Buffalo. The week prior, you see Jody Wright get the head coaching job over at Murray State. I know this isn't what you specifically ask, but 2022, Eric Kimry leaves after one season, goes back to high school football, goes to the Baylor school. I believe that's in Tennessee, Chattanooga. And he's had success there. So I bring that up because, you know, obviously you want to be able to keep your coaches the best you can. There's going to be sometimes you're not going to be able to. There are sometimes there's going to be, you know, situations like that we've seen over the last two weeks. Trying to recall the last time. I've been covering the Gamecocks since 2016. Must Champs first year. I got here in the summer. Maybe one of you guys know. Maybe there's a name that I'm blanking on right now but when you guys have it let me know let's see what else we got here craig good to have you on yep one week closer to college football justin says clint going back to talk about decamillis Camillus has only been in college football for one year this past season at Texas as a special assistant to Sarkeesian. I wonder how he would do as a recruiter. It's a fair question, but I would say this, and granted, I, I hate making comparisons. You got age and everything. But look at Sterling Lucas. Sterling Lucas didn't have that type of background from a college standpoint. And look what he's done from a recruiting standpoint. That's the reason why he got a bonus a week ago. So, or two weeks ago. So I bring that up because Sterling Lucas, he played a big role with being able to get Nicholas Harbor to commit to South Carolina, one five-star. He played a big role with being able to land Dylan Stewart, this past recruiting cycle, another five-star. On top of that, several NFL teams have been reaching out to South Carolina. Beamer mentioned that. We reported on that a couple weeks ago. One of those teams in particular, the Baltimore Ravens. So I bring that up because, you know, that's an example. That's an example. That doesn't mean Deacon Mills comes in here, he's going to be the next Sterling Lucas from a recruiting standpoint. But it just goes to show that even if you don't have that background, I wouldn't look at that and just be like, you know, mm, not going to be able to bring them in. Not, not feeling that. Oh, hasn't proven that. You know? I I think it's always something that you're mindful of. Can they be able to produce at that same level from a recruiting standpoint as they can from a coaching standpoint? And when you evaluate coaches going through this process, right, especially if DeCamillis is one that South Carolina is high on, especially if one that Beamer feels like could be a good fit here that you have to do your due diligence and ask yourself, okay, what can this guy do for us from a recruiting standpoint? So if he's brought in here, I certainly think it start it starts with his background in the NFL, right? That's a no-brainer. The fact that he has that experience, he can really sell 
the importance of special teams to this program, especially so many young, talented players that South Carolina has been able to recruit over the last couple of years. But on top of that, he's able to he's able to show like, hey, look, if you come here, you're going to be able to get developed in other ways, but special teams, we can help you. I'm proof of that. I've won two Super Bowls as a special teams coordinator in the NFL. So I think that can help you from a recruiting standpoint. Glenn, he definitely has a ton of special teams experience. No question about that. Tay SC1969 mentioned this about 20 minutes ago. So I'm assuming you're talking about either D. Camillus or talking about Montgomery. Don't want to make any assumptions here. SC Scout Guy mentions that Lamont Paris is from Finley. That is correct. Finley, Ohio. Two was it? The two were able to link up during his visit last week. Saw the photos on social media. Clint Morris. Morrison again says, look like he's down to us, Florida and Georgia. Yeah, we will see. We will see. As Travis mentioned, you know, how State brought in three quarterbacks this year. Highly doubt when he ends up there. Yeah, again, with the RPM and stuff, I, I think we'll start seeing things to start swishing back and forth, moving around, leading up to his decision to commit. Still, Curran says, what's up, guys? Ads definitely hate to see Pete Lembo go, but I'm happy that he gets his opportunity. Martin says, hashtag Ravens flock. Big opportunity this weekend for Jadavian Clowney. Tenth year in the NFL. This is the first time he has ever made it to a conference championship game. Then you look on the other side in the NFC. And a guy like Debo Samuel, who we'll have to wait and see if he's able to go with that shoulder. He's made it already a couple times. Javon Kinlaw, he's made it a couple times in the NFC Championship. So we have an opportunity to see Gamecocks versus Gamecocks in the Super Bowl. It would be awesome, though, for Clowney and what he's been able to do this season for Baltimore. I have no dog in the fight with these four teams. Personally, I'd love to see um, Detroit in it. I know that's going against the Gamecock family. I'm sorry, guys. I just think that's an awesome story. I wanted to see, honestly, I wanted to see Detroit and Buffalo. I don't know what that would have done from a rating standpoint, but two fan bases that have certainly suffered a long, long time. But then again, 49ers haven't won a Super Bowl in quite some time. They've been to the Super Bowl a couple years back. But we'll see. But would love, love, love to see Clowney have an opportunity to play in the Super Bowl. Travis adds, the biggest issue with Spencer was his turnovers. He cut them down significantly and showed maturity with his leadership. Senior Bowl starts this week and next week. And the senior will move into the first round. That's where he's going to have an opportunity, like you mentioned, Travis. And I think from a – and I think a lot – I think the majority of you who've been following Senior Bowls in the past and understand – we can get caught up on the performance and what they do in these senior bowls. Honestly, more so than anything, it's about the meetings that they have with coaches and scouts. And on top of that, 
It's how they look in practice. And I've shared this story before. I think back to 2014. It was actually my first time in the state of South Carolina. I was at the Medal of Honor Bowl. They don't have that senior bowl anymore. But there was the Medal of Honor Bowl, and it was played at the Citadel. And they were practicing down in Charleston. Um, excuse me. They were practicing uh, right outside. I think they were practicing right outside of uh, the Citadel, but somewhere in Charleston. But anyway, point being is there's all these talented guys there, and you have this Division II guy named Malcolm Butler lined up on a Florida wide receiver and some SEC wide receivers, and this guy's locking them down. So I bring that up because that's really where Malcolm was discovered and was able to really make a name for himself. He had a phenomenal year in West Alabama, Division II school. But the point being is he was able to prove himself against other players there. And I think for a guy like Spencer Rattler, what does he do from a practice standpoint? Is he making the right reads? Going back to what Travis said, one of the strengths he had was being able to cut down on turnovers. Is he able to do that? Um, what is he going to – how does he come across when he's in these meetings with these scouts and teams and coaches just talking about different scenarios? You're in this situation. Defense comes out here. Uh, they they bring down uh, they bring down an extra an extra guy down into the box. They bring a safety down into the box now. You know, what are you checking into? What are you checking out of? What are you doing? So just different scenarios like that. Certainly interested to be paying attention to. Tay SC 1969 says, talking about Weber. I'd like to see Weber back here is what you were referring to. Yeah, look, I like Stanton Weber. I think the big question now is, is he the fit that South Carolina is looking for right now? And when I say fit, because again, you're losing a lot with Pete Lembo. Does Beamer feel comfortable enough with a guy like, as I mentioned, you know, James Coley? Is there someone else on staff that he feels like he can kind of go to? Because that was one of the luxuries of having a guy like Lumbo, being able to have someone that you can kind of pick their brains about. Now, obviously, Lumbo's 15 years of head coaching experience, I mean, you're not going to be able to replicate that with a lot of coaches, right, regardless of who you bring in. That's if they have any head coaching experience, for that matter. But at the same time, too, it's nice to be able to have that that person to bounce those ideas off. That's why I wouldn't be surprised just playing along here in the event of in the event of Stanton Weber being brought back to South Carolina. If that were to happen, I could see someone like James Coley being dubbed with the wide receiver slash associate head coaching title. That's not to say that's what's going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, but one step at a time. XO make underscores. I can't even pronounce all this. I'm trying to follow along here. But anyway, they mentioned Lembo was the best. We'll miss him. He reminds me of Mike Leach with his press conferences, although Loggins is awesome too. Them and Beamer made a good trio. Other team pressers are boring in comparison. Martin mentions that he hopes Debo Samuel is healthy. I hope he's healthy too. I hope he is healthy too. William mentions Beamer trusted Lembo. He did. He trusted him a lot. He trusted him a lot. 
and I shared this in the past because of, and this isn't to take anything away from Beamer or the coaches on this staff that are still here, or even a guy like Jody Wright, who was part of the team the last two years, and even Monterio Hardesty. But Lembo's experience of coaching not just Power 5 football, Group 5, FCS, all the way down to Division 3, because of that, because of that, I think it really helped South Carolina a lot when talking about identifying talented players from smaller schools. And as we've done before in the past with South Carolina, we do this, we've been doing this the last two years, the production from players via the transfer portal that South Carolina has been able to acquire. There's going to be some misses. I mean, it happens. And it's not just limited to South Carolina. Go throughout college football. I mean, we we do a story. We've done stories the last two years on players who have left South Carolina and how they've performed at other schools. So go look at that if you need proof and how some of these guys have performed. So I say that because I feel like Lembo's experience really helps USC identify some of those talented players to be able to look at and say, you know what, man, that guy has no business playing at the FCS ranks. And obviously it's not just limited to Lembo, as I mentioned, but I just felt like because of his experience, because of the experience he had with coaching lower level football. And a lot of these guys, they make their way up. Right. But I felt like it just helped. It helped a little bit more. So not easy, not easy to fill the shoes of Pete Lembo, but I expect South Carolina to try to make a move sooner rather than later. I'm sure that will be a question. Shane Beamer will be asked on Saturday. Beamer will be at the basketball game and there is a media opportunity I believe it's at halftime to speak with Beamer. So hopefully we'll get an update on where things stand as far as trying to replace Pistol Pete. Having said all that, guys, if you missed any of our show today, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can watch this show in its entirety. Or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network. Both those platforms, the Podcast Network plus Gamecock Central YouTube page, both free. So if you want to hop on, subscribe for free. You get every notification every single time one of these episodes drop. Or if you missed the press conference, if there's any GC original content, you get a notification right to your phone. Same deal with the podcast platform. But in addition to that, you also get an update on the 107.5 Takeover Hour by Gamecock Central plus Guarded Trust Hour on 107.5 The Game in case you're out of the market or you might not have been able to listen in live time, in real time on 107.5. So another opportunity to catch those shows as well. As we always do, though, always give credit to our sponsors. Liberty tax tax season is right around the corner. And if you're like me, you're trying to get ready, you're trying to get organized. You're trying to make sure that you do everything you can so that you can get a couple bucks back this season from uncle Sam, or maybe you have to owe uncle Sam some bucks, but you're trying to figure out what you got to do to make sure you're not going to be giving him an arm and a leg. Give the folks over at Liberty tax a call to be able to overcome tax anxiety this tax season. That number is 803-462-5576. And today's show is also brought to you by our good friend, Clint Hammond. See the sponsorship 
above every single one of these GC Live shows. If you're in the process of purchasing purchasing a home, you understand that for the last, really, the last year and a half, getting those low rates, it hasn't been easy. However, Clinton and his team do an outstanding job of being able to help you find the lowest rate on the market. And as that number slowly begins to drop down, whether you're trying to purchase one now or you're thinking about purchasing one in the near future, Give Clint a call over at the Movement Mortgage, 803-771-6933. He can help you out the same way he did with our very own Wes Mitchell, as well as former Gamecock quarterback and captain Perry Orth. A little bit shorter of a show today, but appreciate everyone that tuned in. Martin asks, Mike, can you keep us updated on Nichols Harbor's Olympic team tryouts? We'll keep a tab on that. No, he did well up in Boston. I think it was last weekend, but something that we can certainly do. And Travis adds, Mike, what storyline are you looking forward to come spring practice? Well, let's end the show on that because I think that's a good question, Travis. We're going to have certainly a lot of opportunities uh, over the next couple weeks to talk about that. But I think for me... For me, it's what does the offensive line start to look like? And I know that might not sound sexy, but what does the offensive line start to look like? Because you have, as we've put out there, even with Tyshawn Wanamaker, who, oh, by the way, if people miss that, we reported this on Gamecock Central last Friday. Wanamaker was just ready to move on from football. I mean, that happens with some guys. Some guys get burned out. Some guys are just looking for life after football. Um, In addition to that, because there's a lot of work. It's not just what you see on Saturdays. It's not just the practices in the fall. I mean, being a former player, I don't care what level it is. D1, D2, D3, it's a lot of commitment. The winter workouts, the mat drills, the spring practices. I mean, it's a full-time job. So, him leaving on top of Trey Jones, who, as we're continuing to pay attention to with it, think about retiring from football, you're losing experience with those two. But at the same time, too, as we've talked about on these shows over the last couple of weeks, and if you missed it, you can go over to Gamecock Central and you can see the early breakdown that we have for a lot of the positions already. We still have to tackle safeties, cornerbacks, linebackers, and the specialists. But we've tackled a lot of positions already. South Carolina's offensive line, they have a lot of depth. They have a lot of depth. They have a lot of talent. It's going to be a fun room to watch and see who those starting five are. So I think I start with that. And I think number two, naturally, is what does Lenore Sellers look like this spring? I mean, he's the guy that a lot of us are assuming will be the week one starter. What does he look like? I mean, it's if you're able to get the help up front with the offensive line, which is why, again, that's the most important to me part to me, because let's say Lenoris is playing out of his mind. Let's say Lenore Sellers is making every single throw. Does that matter, though, if the offensive line isn't able to gel the way that they need to? I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they're going to be able to do exactly what they need to be able to do. But the tough part is, right, on top of that, you don't have Spencer Rattler behind those guys. You have a young quarterback. And as talented as Lenoris may be, naturally he doesn't have the same experience because he hasn't had those reps yet, right? I mean, that's just going to happen. The only way you're going to be able to improve that is being able to get thrown right into the fire. So being able to get thrown into the fire in practice, 
Does South Carolina do more live periods this spring for him? Possibly. But at the same time, too, that quarterback room is very thin. Very thin. So interested to see how he looks. I'm interested, too, to see how Dante Reno looks, quite frankly. Because I feel like some people are writing him off a little bit simply because he's a guy that did a lot of things from a recruiting standpoint. And I think some people think, all right, he's just going to be a body in that room. I think he's going to be able to come in there, and I think he's going to surprise some people. So I'm interested to see what he looks like this spring as well. Again, appreciate everyone that tuned in today. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the basketball game tonight. South Carolina, the women's team, they look to stay unbeaten, taking on the LSU Tigers down in Baton Rouge. as Don Staley and company try to keep things going. Appreciate again, everybody tuned in. We will do it again on Tuesday for GC Live Talking Tuesday.